Imagine a city which has walkable neighborhoods, wide footpaths, greener public spaces, cleaner air, a city where you commute only for 15 to 20 minutes, one way to get to work, all your essential shopping is available at 5 minutes walking distance, even your nearest transit station is just 5 to 10 minutes away, a city that is dense, compact but not overcrowded, a city that is well connected and accessible to everyone, a city where an elderly grandparent does not mind going for a walk with a grandchild. Is this utopia? Is this kind of city possible? Yes, if we get our priorities right, reform our urban planning system, think of land use and transport integration as one big mantra which drives our development plan in our cities, then slowly we can start moving towards a happy city like that one. I am Rutul Joshi and I teach urban planning at SEPT University. I am going to unpack today the challenges and prospects of land use and transport integration in Indian cities. Before we get into any complex ideas, let us try and simply understand how land use and transport work in our cities. What are these two entities? First, let me unpack the term land use, which can simply be defined as the use of land. But technically, it is little more than that. Land use can have three components. One is nature of activities on land. Two, intensity of use, which means how much floor space is allowed to be built on that parcel of land. And third is really the spatial arrangement, the pattern by which building and spaces are organized in an area. If we pick up an area, let's say Churchgate Station, so commercial, residential, mixed use, institutional, there are many activities which must be happening in that area. Those are the nature of activities defined by the land use. The floor space index or the floor area ratio represent intensity of the land use on each land parcel. And the size and shapes of plots, the kind of buildings which are built on, the spatial arrangement represent the pattern. So when we say land use, it means all of these three things. Nature of activities, intensity and the pattern in which activities take place in the city. And typically when planning authorities make city-wide land use plan, they determine these three things as well. Those partial plans will allow nature of activities, intensity and spatial pattern to emerge as part of their plan. On the other hand, how do we define transport or what is the role of transport in the city? Transport means road transport. It can also mean rail-based transport like metro rail network or a bus-based transport where our good old regular buses or even the bus rapid transit. Transport provide interconnectivity to this various activities in the city. So continuing with Mumbai's example, the suburban rail network connects various parts and activities in the city, supported by the bus network, supported by walking and cycling facilities. Role of all of these three systems is to connect various areas and various activities in the city. If you live in Goregaon and then you travel to Churchgate, for example, then you are generating a trip from one area from the city which is being attracted to other area in the city. You will also spend some time walking from home to station and station to your workplace. That would be called the last mile connectivity. In a city, the role of transport system is to make sure that everybody reaches where they want to go. But for a very long time, the role of transport system was viewed as accommodating and expanding 
as much mobility as possible or as much vehicles as possible. But recently in the era of climate change and low carbon transport, transport systems are increasingly viewed as making people and goods reach where they want to go. And thus the aim of transport planning is accessibility and not merely accommodating vehicles, not ensuring the smooth flow of vehicles in the city. This subtle difference is very important for our cities. Earlier city used to invest heavily in building a maze of flyovers to ensure the smooth flow of traffic. But now the world over cities are investing heavily in public transport system rather than infrastructure to accommodate more and more vehicles. Imagine if a good public transport is backed up by good walking and cycling facility which means planning for accessibility. That would also mean increasing people's option to reach where they want to go. This is also the reason when I use term transport as part of this talk, I really mean any form of public or shared transport supported by walking and cycling facility. Now let's move on to understand how land use and transport are linked with each other in the city. A lot of research and a good deal of common sense suggests that changes in transport system influence the pattern of urban development. For example, building a metro or bus rapid transport corridor can really bring in new activities and jobs in an area. More and more household and firms would like to locate there. Land prices, floor prices may go up, indicating there is a high demand to be located in that area. This would also impact how the land will be developed or redeveloped, subdivided or agglomerated, finally utilized in a very different way than earlier it was. And that's why when we build many of this metro network or BRT network, you will see surge of activities and also the surge in real estate prices in many of the areas that they are passing through. Thus, we conclude that transport system influence the pattern of urban development very, very clearly. On the other hand, major changes in land use pattern also influence the number of trips, the destination, even the mode used. For example, developing a township on the edge of a city would generate a number of trips and depending upon availability of public transport and convenience of using it, that would determine which modes people are going to use will be living in this township. Suddenly you might find that the typical roads which are linking this township to the center of the city, you will see a surge of a certain kind of traffic there. Change in any land use would bring in or eliminate certain activities from an area and it would have a direct impact on the number of trips being generated from that area. If you just take a very simplistic analogy, it's not a perfect analogy, just to imagine how the land use and transport system work. Imagine a good irrigation system which nourishes the nearby land, which sprinkle water into the land, land increases its productivity. Similarly, transport system nourishes the nearby land, supply it with commuters, jobs and activities and create this one-way loop. On the other hand, now let's imagine if that land use system as a watershed system. Various watersheds come together to form a command area in which will collect the water and then if you channelize this water, it can reach out to the other areas and there this water would increase the productivity of that land. Land use and transport system actually work in close link like this with each other and they benefit each other. The only question is, can we really plan the land use and transport in sync like this? But before we get into that, there is one crucial factor that we need to understand which really link land use and transport. 
Access to transport create locational advantage. That locational advantage is embedded on a land. This locational advantage means a lot of people and activities like to be located there. If you are located in that particular place, you might be able to access more jobs and amenity throughout the city from that location. So locational advantage means high demand, high demand means high prices and that's why when you build a high capacity transport system like MTR metro line in Hong Kong or Trans Milano BRT system in Bogota, they will, you will see that the city comes together being linked by a high capacity transport system like that. Everywhere in the city, a certain amount of locational advantages will be created. In some places, that locational advantage might be for residential development. In some area, it might be for commercial development. In some area, it might be a low-end housing market might surge. In some area, high-end housing market might surge. There are a lot of local factors which are responsible for making this happen. But the point is, public transport system, high capacity system have this amazing ability to create this locational advantage. Now, this locational advantage does not necessarily mean only high-end real estate. Informal settlement and slum quarters in the core city areas, when they are connected well, there are more people who might like to be located there rather than being located in disconnected periphery. I would like to conclude by saying that urban planning, whether it is on the land use side or on the transport side, is the business of creating and making use of locational advantage for different people. And that's why a well-planned city is a well-connected city, is an accessible city. So any discussion about land use and transport is a discussion about dynamic relationship between level of access and activities on certain locations. Whether we like it or not, whether we plan it or not, land use and transport system are closely intertwined. They create a feedback loop for each other. Even when land use and transport are intertwined, conventionally land use and transport systems are planned separately. For example, when you make the development plan of the city, you do not have enough information about how the transport in the city works. What kind of investments are going to be made in transport infrastructure? What kind of transit planning going to be done over a period of time? Even when you know many of these aspects, it is not very often when your development plan in the cities are updated to accommodate all the new changes that the transport infrastructure is bringing. Similarly, when transits are planned or even when the city level transport plans are made, they do not have mandate to really change anything on the land use side. We have different set of agencies with different objectives, different sort of budgets, planning their own things without really developing integration between two very interdependent entities in a city. Not only that, there are a number of agencies which are involved in planning transit in a city. For example, you have Metro Rail Corporation, which are mind of their own. That could be municipal bus services or state transport undertaking, which are running the buses in the city. The roads can be planned by the municipal corporation, sometimes PWD or even state level road and building department. So there are number of public transit agencies with different mandates, with different budgets, with different objectives. They do not find often a sort of space to come together, do a common envisioning exercise and do common planning. But planning is next level. What they also do not have mandate of doing is to have common 
coordination between different agencies and that's why you see metro rail systems are not very well linked with the bus system bus systems are not very well linked with the intermediate public transport and this create lot of trouble for the commuters and that's why the transfer from one mode of transport to another mode of transport is not seamless so this is one level of problem which happens when you are trying to transfer between two modes of transport the other level of problem is that when you have a transit station the rest of the city around it grows organically there is no planned redevelopment in the adjoining areas in fact railway stations metro stations etc are the areas where you would actually like to keep distance if you really want to live somewhere next to them there would be lot of you know sort of nuisances around these areas although land use and transport are interdependent upon each other we do not see efficient plan which can really bring them together and try to take an advantage of all those benefits which the transport system create for certain locations let me give you an example of an area called sabarmati in ahmedabad and here you will understand that number of agencies number of modes of transport and what happens there in sabarmati there is a railway station which indian railway station development corporation wants to modernize and rebuild there is also the mumbai ahmedabad high speed rail project also popularly known as bullet train which is also run by a different uh, high speed rail corporation they are building their own station gujarat metro rail corporation which runs the metro system in ahmedabad have their station for the transport within ahmedabad city and then there is a brt station which is being run by ahmedabad janmarg limited which is under municipal corporation there are also municipal bus services which ply from there so here we at least have five modes and then you have intermediate public transport taxis and lot many other things sabarmati is going to become a huge hub for various kind of transport services how do we get all of this authorities to talk to each other is a real problem because each one of them have in their own silos given contract to different contractors to make buildings without really thinking about interconnection between them so even if they want to make a pedestrian crossing from one plot of land belonging to one corporation to the other corporation the question is going to be who is going to pay for it and because there is no clarity that foot over bridge physically linking two buildings is not going to be possible we are not only talking about this kind of integration ideally if sabarmati has to operate as a multimodal hub that could be sharing of lot of other amenities sharing of open spaces sharing of parking sharing of shopping areas sharing of many other amenities and probably if it has to really operate as a multimodal hub it would become like a one building one large building with different branches going to different modes of transport that is where the transfer between one mode to another will become seamless for the commuters so this is the problem at the building level but what's going to happen in sabarmati as a local area when you put in so much of transport activities it is going to bring in lot of businesses lot of firms might want to be located there some people might even want to live there some people are already living there so that area also needs to be updated now who is going to make a plan for that under amdavad urban development authority there might be a plan to make a local area plan there but is this local area plan going to be linked with the requirements of all the different modes of transport 
are they all on the same drawing board making the same plans and that is a real problem maybe sabarmati is an area which is more of an extreme area where you have a bullet train and a railway and a metro and and many other modes now look at any other area if you go back to example of mumbai you have an area like dadar which acts as a multimodal hub for the entire city similarly andheri all of this different multimodal hubs needs to be planned very very differently than the rest of the cities but what about a suburban area where there is just one metro station next to a bus stop can we also talk about land use transport integration there and again what comes here is that we have land use and transport agencies have no mandate to talk to each other or take feedback from each other's plan and plan ahead and that is where we are stuck so how do we get out of this conundrum how do we make the integration of land use and transport work in our cities here emergence of tod as a concept transit oriented development which is almost like a subfield of land use and transport integration can help us india has a national tod policy in place for 3 years now many states have put in place their own tod policies many cities are working on ideas around tod many development plans have tried to integrate some of the tod elements but tod as a concept can easily be misinterpreted some people think that by allowing higher flow space around transit is enough to make tod work some people fear that tod plans will bring in chaos more traffic more congestion more pressure on municipal infrastructure and that is their problem with tod it is crucial for us to understand what tod means how it works and we also have to do some myth busting in the process if we understand the definition of tod what tod does it aims to make cities more livable and sustainable one by connecting place of work to place of residence something which is very fundamental to the city number 2 by planning accessible dense and diverse urban places around a transit corridor and three by planning walkable and cycle friendly neighborhoods and well designed public spaces so if you look at all of these three things together in scope of tod you have a scope of designing public spaces or designing neighborhoods or replanning neighborhoods and thinking about at city level how place of work and how place of residence can be linked better when planned well tod helps in encouraging even inducing public transit ridership it makes it possible to live a stress free life without being completely dependent on vehicles for your daily needs so like i said in the beginning of this talk imagine living in a walkable neighborhood imagine living in a neighborhood with ample amount of green spaces imagine living in a neighborhood with better air quality less road fatalities less honking etc etc if we build our cities around transit then it will be win win for everybody tod also aims to increase public transit ridership public transit ridership increases public transport system will become more viable and self sustaining and public transport ridership will go up when people can easily access their job education healthcare by using transit and by doing so tod also builds a symbiotic relationship between transit and development the advantage of tod is that it can be planned at various scale often it is seen narrowly as an area level concept but i would argue that 
there are some of the TOD elements can be worked out at the city level master plan. You can also design streets from the perspective of TOD. You can even design individual buildings from the TOD perspective. So how do we make TOD work in Indian cities? First thing first, we will need to use the existing statutory mechanism to implement TOD related ideas. And the first and foremost in that would be the city level development plan where TOD zone must be identified corresponding with the city's transit network. This TOD zone could be a standalone spatial zone in the development plan or it could be an overlay zone like what Ahmedabad development plan has done. But this is the first important step the city is taking to commit to the idea of TOD. Then there is a debate about whether the TOD zone should be corridor based or node based. The answer to that question is look at the context. When the distance between two transit stations is less than 350 to 400 meters, the corridors may work. If there are more activities linearly located, then the corridors may work. In large cities like Delhi or Mumbai or Bangalore, nodal development can also work. It is essential for the city's development plan to first and foremost identify multimodal hubs in the city's network. And those could be the first contenders where developing TOD based area level plan can be carried out. Apart from including TOD principle in city's development plan, what we need from planning authorities is to prepare the development plan more regularly and frequently, especially when there is a massive investment in transport infrastructure like the Metro Rail proposal or a BRT proposal or new transit hub is being financed. That is a time to update city's development plan and match the land use goals with the goals of transit planning. Now let's move on to the second level, the local area plan. We do not have a statutory mechanism for plan redevelopment in brownfield situation in most states in India. And this is one area where we require a major reform and sooner the better. Now, this is not to say that TOD should only be planned in brownfield situation. Brownfield situations are situation where you already have an existing built form. Greenfield situations, it is the agricultural land which is waiting to be urbanized. So TOD can be planned in both in brownfield as well as in greenfield. But in most cases, TOD will be more relevant to be planned in the brownfield situation. And for that, we require some sort of statutory mechanism which allows us to do planned redevelopment in the core areas of the city. Gujarat a few years back amended its planning legislation to include a mechanism called local area plan which can guide planned redevelopment in brownfield situation. Apart from many other things what LAP mechanism does is to allow to build more floor space in lieu of getting more land back into the public realm. Gujarat is also known for another mechanism called town planning scheme which is generally made in greenfield in the periphery of the city where you are allowed to build a certain level of uh, development on your land while surrendering a part of land back for the public realm. The same principle is being applied here again but in the brownfield situation you continue to give the land back to the authority but you are allowed to build more floor space. Many Indian states today need to amend their planning legislation to include such mechanism that create win-win situation both for the land and property owners and for the larger public good. 
This will be a slow but much needed mechanism for Indian cities where we incrementally develop our core city areas and retrofit them with ideas like TOD. The second element of making TOD work in Indian cities would be understanding the principles of TOD and making sure that they appear in our city's development plan and in our local area plan. The principles of TOD tell us what is TOD and what is not TOD. We can use the term TOD-ness to evaluate an area's compliance with TOD principles. For example, making tall buildings next to transit station is not TOD. So the planning authorities and the state government cannot forget about TOD after announcing higher FSI in TOD zones. Because making tall buildings next to transit station would quickly degenerate into TAD, Transit Adjacent Development. And every development adjacent to transit is not very conducive to transit. It will not always bring in more riders to the transit. So we have to remember the first principle of transit-oriented development that we are doing all this. We are giving higher floor space so that they can bring more and more riders on the public transit system. We must remember that haphazard concentration of high and real estate next to transit corridor might push the real commuters away from the transit zone. And that's why it's very important that we understand the principles of TOD and implement them well. So how do we plan TOD for Indian cities? Here is a list of seven key principles of TOD drawn from the national TOD policy. It is my own understanding of how I look at TOD in Indian context and I have borrowed heavily from the national TOD policy. So the first principle is access. We have to plan for access. We have to make sure that all roads in the area should lead to the transit station. We have to complete the road network wherever there are incomplete or broken streets. And while completing the road network, we have to ensure that there is hierarchy of streets and we decrease the block sizes so that the area becomes more walkable. Another thing which we have to remember to do is connect the area very well. So if there is a natural feature or a heritage structure or a bus stop, or some commercial activities, we must plan for integrating different parts of the area. The transit station or the transit line should not become a barrier dividing the area, it should integrate the area. And that's why I remember the logo of MTR metro system in Hong Kong, which is like an octopus. As if they are telling us that each of the transit station is like an octopus, it extends its fangs into the entire local area bringing the riders in. Sometimes those fangs are also extended directly into the adjoining building. So people can come directly from those buildings into the transit station uh, using a foot over bridge. And last thing we have to remember while planning for access that we are giving higher floor space in lieu of getting some land back in the public realm. And we have to use this mechanism to make sure that we extend the area under streets and extend the area under public realm. Second principle, design streets, expand public realm. Generally, when metro corridor or a BRT corridor is planned, we are focused so much on the corridor itself. It does not extend itself of improving the entire area. And this area-based public realm design is very, very crucial as far as TOD is concerned. Street design would play a tremendous role in making sure that there are walkable neighborhoods, there are cycle-friendly neighborhoods, and there is a last-mile connectivity to transit. Third principle is designing street-oriented buildings. 
What are street-oriented buildings? These are the buildings without compound walls. These are the buildings with active frontages. We can use mechanisms like form-based codes or simpler mechanisms like built-to-line buildings with a uniform fronts and margins. But the buildings must talk to the streets and they should not create barriers between the street and the building. Especially buildings which would benefit from stronger connection with the streets like the commercial building or the mixed-use buildings. We also have to plan the pedestrian access from the front and car access from the side lanes or the back. Given our current building control regulations, we lose lot of space in side margins and in front margins as much as 33% in many cities. That is such a poor utilization of land where we have such a less amount of space for the use under the public realm. And that's why it's very important that when we make street-oriented buildings, they would make us utilize the side margins and the front margins more effectively because they will have public access. Fourth principle, the redevelopment is an opportunity to upgrade housing. And here we do not only mean the high-end housing. Here is an opportunity to build ample amount of affordable housing, low-income group housing, here is also an opportunity to do slum upgradation in the TOD zone because these are the areas which give us density. Density is something that is very very essential for TOD because it will be converted into ridership of the public transit system. What I suggest is we can really use the PMAY urban, the Prime Minister's Avas Yojana which has four verticals of in-situ slum redevelopment affordable housing through credit link subsidy, affordable housing in partnership with the private sector or subsidy for beneficiary-led individual house construction. Whichever model fits, we have to utilize it and make sure that we build ample amount of affordable housing and low-income group housing around the transit station and not only high-end real estate. There are few areas where you can have high-end real estate like let's say lower Parel in Mumbai but in Kurla and Mahing you could build more affordable housing. The fifth, in the TOD zone must be built around what is called travel demand management. And rather than using all the different ideas of travel demand management, I would only focus on parking. We have to treat parking as real estate in the TOD zone and not as a social service. For a very long time, we are supplying more and more space in the buildings to solve the problem of higher parking demand on the street. We have to start charging parking on the street so that parking inside the building will get filled up. I can give a whole lecture on this but I am just stopping at that and reminding you one simple principle that treat parking as real estate and not social service in the TOD zone. So different cities can have different model of how do you want to charge parking on street but we must treat parking as real estate. The sixth principle, what we need in TOD zone is flexibility of zoning. And here is a huge area where we need to reform the way in which we look at our development control regulation in TOD zone. You should really treat them as development promotion regulation. Flexible higher FSI is better. And it's better to have higher FSI with simpler definition of FSI. So there are not too many exemptions. We must allow more mixed uses and more diversity to come in the transit oriented zones. We should also make sure that there is an efficient use of public land in the TOD zone and we must encourage public authorities to make a land bank. The last principle and not the least 
we have to invest in public realm in order to earn from private realm. The land value capture mechanism goes in hand in hand with TOD, but we can only capture the value of land when we can create the value. With good design, with good access, with access to amenities, open spaces, well-designed public spaces, we can really create value and then it can be captured by the public agencies. But the relationship here is invest in public realm in order to earn from the private realm. And that is the seventh principle. If we just want to make money out of the land without really investing into the public realm and in creating the value, it might not fetch us very good value. So these are the seven principles that are part of making TOD work for Indian cities. Before I close, I just want to address this anxiety people have when it comes to TOD about how will Indian cities survive with higher floor space consumption. Well, our cities will survive with high floor space consumption or with taller building when there will be more land under public realm and streets, when there would be low crowding of vehicles, but well managed higher density of people living there. So compact development, but less crowding of vehicle and less crowding of people inside the buildings. We will need well designed streets. We will need street oriented buildings and not inward looking, not the buildings with compound walls. And what we will have to do is to continuously upgrade the infrastructure in the TOD zones. And last but not the least, we have to treat parking as real estate. If we do all this, then we can really make TOD work. And our objective of making land use transport integration work in Indian cities will be successful. Thank you.